News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick and Tim Van Dyke from Dutch Growers Saskatoon and Regina today. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Bring the whole crew in yes. <laughs> for the Canada Day long weekend. Lots to do. Lots of people getting out in the garden as I was coming in today. I saw a lot of people doing yard work. Absolutely. It's a perfect weekend to, yeah. to get, be able to get the get things done around the yard. And, you know, a lot of people on, on Sundays, especially, they get back from whether they're at the lake or, yep. you know, they started heading back right today. And so it's a good time just to chill out in the backyard. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful what's weather going so on. Far. Exactly. Do yep. the, the check after you've yep. been gone for a couple days for the long weekend and see where everything's at. And oops, those flower pots are a little wilted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always the flower pots. <laughs> if you have a question or would like some advice from Rick or Tim, you can give us a call or a text. It's all one number, one 332 8255 Guys, what have we been seeing in the Garden Center this week? Oh, this week it's been a, a lot of everything. How about in Regina? What's happening there? Yeah, we're the same way. We have a lot of uh, people coming in buying all kinds of stuff. There's giftware that's going very well. The plants are just flying out the doors. So, yeah, we've been really enjoying it. And bugs, bugs, bugs. You know, yes. people yes. coming Absolutely. in with all the little baggies coming in with the little baggies <laughs> with little bugs. Have you seen this before? <laughs> have you seen this before? Or a leaf that's, you know, distorted and, and something, yep. you know, what's what's this? Or, or a lot of little bags coming in. What is this plant that started growing in my yard? You know, that the birds yes. dropped off. Yeah. The mystery plants. <laughs> the, all the, the mystery seeds. plants. The all birds, the volunteers. Yeah, all the volunteers <laughs> coming up. And, so can you identify this or this or this? So we get lots of that. And so it's, it's yeah, it's, it's constant. So it's, yeah, absolutely. And, and it, like you said, it's all over the place. It's yeah. not just, like some years, you, it was 10 caterpillar, 10 caterpillar, 10 caterpillar, 10 yeah. caterpillar, you know, or something like that. But this year, it's just... Uh, the the weather is so un, unusually yep. yes. weird. Right? Some yeah. some mornings it's super cold. Yep. yep. And other days it's really warm. Yeah, we had this last week there was one one morning it was like eight degrees. I'm going eight Canada or day. seven degrees. I'm yeah, going, I had a jacket on when I came into work. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> oh seven degrees. I mean this is almost July already. You know, like <laughs> it was July first. I'm going yeah. wow. So just keeping us on our toes this summer. <laughs> keeping us on our toes. Yeah. So it's but it's it's good. I mean in in Regina you probably I mean you ha- always have wind down there, but yep. it's been kind of more windy. Um, or about the same? I'd say it's about the same. About the same? It's, it's about the same. It's always, I mean, yeah, it just seems like it's always blowing this year. <laughs> yeah. Lots it's, of, uh, It's. it seems so weird, too. We were talking about it a little bit before, but it's some areas are really, really dry this year. Yeah. Some areas are really, really waterlogged. And then there's sort of the in-between section of central Saskatchewan yeah. right now. Never a dull moment when yeah. it comes to growing. And, and you're <laughs> right. Like I said, there's what down by on the west, up the up. Upstream from the Wasquana Creek, they were saying that it's all flooded up yeah, in that area, right? That's right. And then downstream, it's dry, it's bone dry. Bone dry. So it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy here, too. Just one of those years, I guess. Yep. We it's, have uh, a call waiting for us. This is uh, Anne in Weyburn. Good morning, Anne. What's your question for Rick and Tim? Oh, good morning. Good morning. morning. I, I have a Evans Cherry, about 14 years old uh, tree form that um, has developed. Uh, sap draining from what appears to be live and intact branches. Uh, I'm wondering if this is uh, a virus and if I should remove the whole tree. This happened before with another cherry tree that I had. 
Yeah. And uh, I have a Pembenew plum that's about 30 feet away that I'm that's healthy, and I'm wondering if it's a virus, if it will affect that, and if there's any preventative measures I can take for that. Yeah, the, that's that. It is a virus. If it's oozing out of the bark, it is a virus which the the cherries can get. Okay, and there's right. there's no cure. I mean, there's nothing I can you can give it for a virus. Um, okay. So other than trimming the, the the branches out. Now, one thing about good thing about Evans cherry, you can trim it down and it will come up. Not as you know, you have to train it to be a single tree again, but because right. it'll come up as multiple stems, right? And then you train yeah. it up to be another tree again. So you can trim it down and do that. But and yes, it can go into other prunus family. So so okay. which is the plum family and cherry family is prunus. Mm-hmm. So um, so yes, it can go into that plum tree. So. So you're you're probably best to um, sorry to say that you're going to have to uh, remove it because there's if it was just on a side branch you could just remove the side branch, but for right. you it's probably in the main trunk. Yes, it's in a branch that's coming off the main trunk. Oh, yeah. Then, then just cut the main. Just cut that branch off. Okay. okay. Well. Okay. Yeah. If you want, just cut that branch off. Now, it may look the might look make the, look the plant look kind of weird, you know, like but uh, right. But you have to watch it though, because if it's in usually when it's in, sometimes if you get it early enough, it doesn't get into the main sap system, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, otherwise, it'll act like just like a leukemia. It'll be like in the sap system, and now it'll start spreading, you know, showing up throughout the whole tree. Okay, but so and then I'd have to remove the tree. Remove the trees for for right now. What you can do is is cut that one branch off. I would do it soon, and mm-hmm. uh, don't cut too close to right where the um, where the where the infection is. If you can go, you know, right close, to, fairly close to the trunk, right. And well, it, um, there, where the branch is coming out of the main trunk too, it's also oozing in that spot. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so it's probably into the main sap system then. Okay. So, so most likely have to remove the tree. So, already safe. And, the, and there's uh, nothing I can spray or nope, nothing you can put spray on a plum tree to protect it. Mm, not, not of, not the virus. I mean, what's going to happen is the main way it spreads a lot of times that that type of virus is is through the bees. The bees oh, okay. will take it and and through the flowers and spread it from plant to plant, or oh. other types of insects that'll that'll spread it. You know, from your tree to the other tree. And that's okay. why that oozing sap, if you, you want to get rid of it, because what it is is the infection inside, and the, the tree is basically pushing the ooze out to get rid of, trying to get rid of the infection, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And in mm-hmm. nature, all what happens is that eventually that the, everything above that ooze dies, it falls mm-hmm. off, and then the tree starts suckering up and rejuvenating itself again, right? And then, okay. then so, but with you, I mean... You have other trees you don't want to be infected, right? So right. that's yeah. that's with, the biggest concern. With that ooze, how far up the tree is it? Um, it's on one of the lower branches. About, oh, yeah. uh, like the trunk of the main tree is about 10 inches yeah. diameter. Yeah. And then uh, about two feet up, it starts branching off, and that's about four feet up, four or five yeah. feet up. Yeah, that's too bad. If it's that big of a diameter, that's, that's been there for You've had that, that Evans cherry for a little while. Yes, I have. Yeah, that's yeah. too bad. So yeah, cut off cut off the oozing part, and I would say go at least six or eight inches below that oozing yeah. portion, and mm-hmm. hopefully you still have a bit of a tree left that that it can re, yeah. re, uh, respond to uh, your removal of that section. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Thank you very much. You're man. welcome. Thanks, Anne. Bye bye.
Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm here with Rick and Tim Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. If you have a question, you can give us a call or a text. It's one 877 332-8255. We're going to just dive right into some phone calls here. We've had uh, some people waiting for us through the break. We'll start uh, with Nadine in Macklin. Good morning, Nadine. What's your question? Good morning. I would just like to know how to go about doing compost properly. I have one of those black drums that you throw your compost in, Yep. but it doesn't seem to you know, work so well. What are you putting in it, first of all? Um, vegetable scraps mostly. Yep. Okay. So what and you like orange peels and stuff yep. like that. So what you want to do then is you want to, you want to add some, you want to mix it up. Okay. So if you have a, you know, if you have a friend that's a woodworker or something like that, get a little bit of sawdust, throw a little bit of sawdust in there, put a little bit of topsoil into it as well. And because you need all those other microorganisms to help break it down, okay? Okay. And you can also even put in some, you go to your local garden center, wherever you are, and uh, even your some of the hardware stores, they'll even have it, is just put some compost accelerator in. And what that is is all microbes. And okay. once, you, once you put the microorganisms into it, it breaks it down way quicker, okay, than just yeah. putting your scraps and waiting for that to break down. So if you want to quicken it up, and then you, and every once in a while you need to add just a little bit of moisture inside that, that drum too, okay? So just a little bit, not a ton of water, just a little bit of water into it. And, but, but throw some leaves in there, throw a little bit of grass clippings in there. I was going to ask you, could I put grass clippings yep, but, in there? But not a ton, okay? Just, just a little, like, little bit, eh? You don't be emptying your whole bag of, of lawnmower into, the comp, <laughs> into that at one time, okay? No, okay. You keep putting some bits at a time. Like even, even the people that just have a box in the ground, I always tell them, layer it. Okay, so put some grass clippings. Those don't throw, you know, all, whole weeks of grass clippings and then put a, just a little bit of vegetables on top of it, scraps or stuff like that. Put some sawdust, put some little bit of soil because you get the microbes with that and put some grass clippings and then some leaves. Pine cones work. Pine, anything like that. All, everything yeah, like that. The reason I'm asking about pine cones is I have so many. I've got a tree that just keeps dropping them off. Yep, <laughs> put, put that in there too. Put it in layers, but never a whole bunch at one time, right? Just keep okay. throwing some in there. But even, like I said, a little bit of topsoil, a little bit of soil, a little bit of water, and get yourself some of the compost accelerator, and then you'll, it'll, with, especially with a drum, because you keep rolling it, yes. uh, it goes quick, yep. really fast. Absolutely. Oh, very okay. good. Uh, all right. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Nadine. Bye. Bye now. Uh, we have Lynn in Weyburn. Good morning, Lynn. What's your question for Rick and Tim? Well, it's about uh, the tomatoes. I got seeds from well, from Stokes years and years ago, and every year I'd plant about five seeds, and they grew beautifully to beautiful t- tomatoes. But uh, last year I used the last of the seeds, so I saved the seeds from the good tomatoes that I grew. This year, though, uh, they are hardly growing at all and dying. So. Uh, should I not save seeds from? I guess they were hybrid yeah, you, tomatoes. You can save seeds. They started to grow, but then they died afterwards, right? Yes. So how tall did they get before they started dying? Well, there's some that are still growing that are really low. Okay. Some grow up to be about seven inches and died. Yeah. So what? What's with tomatoes will happen? The biggest thing is you'll get, you'll get what's called. Um, hey Tim, what's it called? It's it's. <laughs> 
I'm trying to, I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to read your mind. No, it's where they, they, they rot off of the soil at the soil level. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's damping a bacteria. off. It's damping off. That's yep. the word I'm looking for. Damping off. Damping off. And so that's what you have to watch out for. And with those other seeds, they might just been not quite as viable. And so you might have had some bacteria that came with the seeds as well you know, from before. And so just make sure that when you, for stopping damping off right now, the because we used to have a product called No Damp, that's long gone. So just keep some air movement. Make sure you keep some air movement, like a little tiny fan in the corner so that there's some air moving. And that's the big thing. And then especially this time of the year, if they're, if they're small right now, get them, out, get them outside and, and put them on the patio, not in the full sun, but just in partial sun, and get them outside, and that'll help them so they won't do that damping off. If you get a little layer of lime, a kind of a slimy green layer on top of the soil, just take a pencil and just break it all up, and that will prevent the uh, damping off. Oh, I don't notice that at all. I thought damping off occurred when they were little. Yeah, well, you said some of them were little. That's why I was saying some of them were pretty short yet, right? Yes, but, but uh, the, the tall ones were the ones that keeled over, and yet the roots look healthy when I pulled them out. Yeah, there must have been a... Did the, did the leaves look distorted at all? Did, the, did they start getting wrinkly, the leaves? Well, they just were all dried and dead looking. Yeah, so th- there must have been a virus or something in that in that seed or something like that that made them do that, so... So the the best thing to do is, like I said, um, uh, get yourself some certified seed. A lot of times that's easier. You can a lot of times you can save the seed, all right. But you'll just have to make sure that uh, when you do get them, get them outside as soon as they can, and so that they just have the natural air movement, and then you won't get that 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 damping off. Now, what would this was these outside when they started dying, or were they inside oh, still? Oh, no, they're outside. Oh, they're outside. I have them all outside. Oh, that, they shouldn't have done that then. That's just, I'm not sure what happened there. I would okay. probably spend the, the 3 or $4 that you had to spend to get the seeds, and I would do that next year. Okay, yeah. thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for your program. Thank you. Of course. Bye. Bye now. All right, we're going to go to Doug in Lake of the Prairies. Good morning, Doug. What's your question for Rick and Tim? Yes, uh, we've got two Evans cherries that we planted here uh, at the lake. And uh, they've probably been in the ground 10 to maybe even 15 years. Yep. And those will not grow any higher than about a foot and a half, maybe. Uh, We did have some deer problems over the years, but we did cage them. Uh, We fertilize them. We try to keep them watered good. It's sandy soil here. But they just will not get any height and will not spread at all. Hmm. And that's after 15 years. And that's after 15 years. Wow. Uh, you know what? Have you ever ever tested the pH of your soil? Uh, not. Uh, when uh, We've got a garden, which is in a total different yep. area we tested. Uh, but I do have a pH kit. Yeah, try, try testing the pH in that area. You want what, the, you want the what, pH about... What do they like? No, just basic, like 7. It yeah, should be around even, seven, even six, six, six point five, yeah, in that range. Yep. Okay, that's where they should be sitting. Like and, we had uh, Evans cherries at another property, and man, they 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 just well, yeah, they should grow. They took over almost like a weed. They should grow like crazy. Yeah. So, so I would check whether the area, like it, you said, it's sandy, but is it is it is it is the water table high there? Uh, we, the water table is. Uh, we're up on a higher ridge. 
So the so water it, table is low. It's all getting down to the water table. Okay. So so the roots aren't sitting in that water table. Then you don't. No. Think. No. Okay. So, but you might have the opposite problem. It might be too dry. Just just might be too dry. Yeah. yeah. So you might have to run yeah. an irrigation line out there and put some drips. But yeah. but also I would just I would to definitely check that pH yeah. because I would see what's going on why they're not taking up nutrients and why they're not growing. Okay, because we like we fertilize them with. Yeah. Like I put uh, alfalfa pal, uh, pellet mix around it plus a bit of groundskeepers every spring and oh, yeah, they, yeah. they just sort of sit there. You're, I would suggest that maybe there's it was that backfield or anything like that that spot like with with some uh, soils. That, no, that's native native, native soil. ground there. Yeah. Yeah, there's something going on though that that's either with the vi- with the plant not being viable. You know, there's something wrong with the plant itself. It could right. be it could be if you bought the plant and it was, yeah, if the plant was. What I would say, if the if the in the pot, if the it was root bound and the roots were growing in a in a spiral, right, and then you planted it, sometimes the plant will actually choke itself and it mm-hmm. won't even grow that big. It'll just stay small. Oh, okay. okay. So, so yeah. w- when you planted those Evan cherries, did you rough up the roots? Uh, it's been so many years. Yeah, I guess. it's been so many yeah, years. That's right. So yeah. that that happens. I've had that to a tree where a tree stays stunted too, and that's because the tree was root bound, and the roots just turned a spiral. And basically, as those roots just got bigger and bigger, it basically choked itself. Oh, okay. So it, okay, we a, put in a, a third cherry there. We brought, we were out in BC. We yep. brought a, I think it was a Romeo. Yep. Um, and it like it was actually a full full tree. Yep. Like I don't know, maybe four or five feet high. Is it doing? It, it died, died right back too. And now it seems to be coming back a bit from the root. But. Uh, there must be something in that soil right there. Okay. There's something right. in that soil that that's creating that. That's the only thing okay. that can be. If you put another plant in there afterwards, yeah, there's something with that soil. So do a pH test first of all, okay. and if that doesn't work, you might have to actually you know dig a bigger, way bigger hole. Right, you know, and just get rid of that soil, and then plant it in some good uh, topsoil if you want to grow in that area. I think right. there might be something in that soil that's 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 inhibiting it. Okay. Okay. Other question is Saskatoon. When's a good time to trim a Saskatoon back? Um, after, after either after they finish bearing, after they finish having their fruit crop, or right, right up until even when they're dormant, or otherwise first thing in the spring, like in March or the first week of April. Okay. Either way, but after they finish fruiting. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Tim Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. We have lots of callers waiting on the line, so we won't make them wait any longer. Murray in White City. Good morning, Murray. What's your question for Rick and Tim? Good morning. Uh, my question is, uh, well, first of all, uh, these are poplar or aspen trees, and I'm not sure what variety they are, but the branches grow up rather than out. Yep, yep. And uh, we've got about eight of them in a row, and one of them this spring, it put about a, what I'd say about half a bud out on the tips of the branches, and it died. And I've got one other one, which is about three, four trees away from this one, and it's got leaves this year that are only about half the size of the other tree. Your, your problem was like last year. Last year was very, very dry. Okay. And it doesn't matter how much you irrigated that that area, especially in White City, it's very sandy soil. Right. And so you have to make sure that that in very dry years, you got to make sure you up your your drips or your watering. 
So right. that way they don't dry out. Okay. Now, have you also, have you noticed any sawdust at the base of the plants at all? No, I've never noticed any anything like that. It would be just little bits, you know, little little tiny little piles of little sawdust or anything. No, watch, watch for that because the aspens are very notorious, especially in the Sassoon area anyways, is that they'll get what's called a poplar bore into them. Oh, okay. and, and what happens is insect drills in. This, the hole is about the size of a ballpoint pen head, you know, um, mm-hmm. and the shape of a D. And they go in and then they drill and they mine out the inside and they cut the sap up to the upper part of the tree. Oh, okay. but, but normally in aspens is usually around six, eight feet off the ground where they're drilling in. So it's not, you said the whole tree went, right? Right. Yeah, this one here, the whole tree went. Yeah. And, and the tree that went and this other one that's looking ill, the trunk size is, well, more than likely only about two-thirds of the size of all the rest. Yeah, okay. So... So, so something ha- something was wrong with that tree right from day one. Then, well, the okay. the other other, I guess, answer to that is that last year was very very dry. Yep, As, yeah. especially yeah. in Regina in yeah. that whole area. It the drought was just crazy. Yeah, so lots so, lots of water. But yeah, also check check. Is, was there any oozing out of the bark? Like, did you know any sap oozing out of the bark at all? Any in place? Uh, there was a little. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so there, there's also the also the poplars get what we call a canker, and so then if, where it'll come out of out of a little place where there was a branch would have been an old branch coming out, and then okay. you'll get some oozing out of there, and so you might just like we had a, lot, a few callers ago talking about the Evans cherry, they they yeah. can get a canker which is like a virus as well, and then that would spread. So if that tree is dead, make sure you you cut it out and get it out of the yard, okay? Okay. And yeah. if the yeah. other one's doing the same thing, then. Do the same thing so you don't, you know, uh, th- th- it doesn't spread. And and don't right. compost those branches. Yep. Uh, take them to okay. the dump and get rid of them. Don't leave them in your yard. Okay. I figured I would burn them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Get, Absolutely. But don't don't let them sit around to dry out to burn them later, okay? That's the only thing. Oh, okay. okay. You know what I mean? Okay. So your best is to get them out of the yard. And yeah. a lot of people let them, you know, cure first and then burn them off. And right. by that time, the insects start moving that stuff around. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. We're going to jump down to Ian in Saskatoon. Good morning, Ian. What's your question for Rick and Tim? Hey, good morning, guys. Um, I sent a picture. I don't know if you can see it. It's, no, uh, we don't see pictures on this text line. Sorry. Okay. It's a, a woodwardy two, um, uh, or woodwardy, sorry. Yeah, globe cedar. On that one year. I planted it in 09, and now it's a full, beautiful six-foot round. Yep. However... Uh, when I when it was younger, I alternated all the way around it with um, Stelladora daylilies and silver mounds. Yep. And now they're almost completely covered yep. by the by the uh, uh, wood by the cedar. And I'm I haven't quite finished the flower beds where I want to put all those things. Is it too late, even if I do get the flower beds done, to dig those out and transplant them? Because we're into July. I would think so. I would probably wait till October before you relocate those perennials. Because it, it, it's right now, it's it's very hot. Yep. And so the perennials are going to, is, is not going to react to the hot weather very well. So I'd wait till it cools down at the end of September, early October. Yeah. So even if we got like a, a week of overcast and rainy, that still wouldn't be enough. Well, if, if you did it, then I would take, you make sure you take a great big clump of dirt with it. Yep. Okay? Absolutely. 
A great big yeah, cup. I don't know. I, I, if I did that, then I'd probably get down near the roots of yep. the. Uh, well, yeah. that's okay. The, that, the, that's fine. The, the woodwood or cedar would be fine yeah. with that. There's a lot. It's the huge fibers root systems on those cedars. They won't okay. be affected by it at all. So that's not a problem. But you'd have because if you took it out, if you took it out bare root, it'd be done. Yeah. That that those those dailies would be done if you took them out bare root. Okay. okay, and there's even a couple of irises that kind of volunteered in there over yep. the years, and I'd like to move them. To. There again, if you do it now, you'd have to take a big ball of earth with them. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, so wait. Otherwise, wait till they're dormant. Mid October. Yep. Mid October, yep. or or again, the middle of April next year. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Ian. Okay. All right, we'll jump to Terry in Crystal Springs. Good morning, Terry. What's your question for Rick and Tim? Hello. Good morning. Um, I've got a, a bed of tulips, which are all done now, and I planted some tomatoes in there. Yep. And I was wondering, can I dig the tulip bulbs up and store them now through till next spring so the tomatoes do better? Yeah, you're better off. Tulips are better off to dig in the fall, okay, like closer to the fall. But, I mean, you... The problem right now is the roots are gaining energy right now. They're still pull, pulling up energy to bloom next year, okay? Right. In fact, you might even still have some leaves sticking up yet. They may yes, be with... Leaves, yeah. What's that? Do they still have the leaves yet, the tulips? Um, I just bent them over. Is that what you're supposed to do? Yeah, your best... I like just to leave them alone because all the energy from the leaves are taking a photosynthesis to create energy to put in the bulbs so that you right. basically... So that you basically will, uh, it, it's not like an onion where you bend it over because you want to, you know, doing oh. that way. With these things here, I'd rather just leave them up there. And then they basically, all that food goes into making those bulbs more viable and better flowers for next year. Okay. So, and your tomato is fine. It, it's just yeah. growing in around the bulbs. So yeah. it's fine. It, they're fine. So I'd wait till the tomato is done, which will yeah. probably be the end of, uh, end of September. Right, and then you the can. The tomatoes are not very big. Don't... Just fertilize them. Yeah, give them, some, them. Put some yeah. bone meal around them. Put some alfalfa pellet tea around them. Whatever. Give them some nutrients. I see. Yeah, and, and they'll be. I'll give that. I'll give that a try. Yeah, because they they the tulips being there shouldn't be affecting the uh, unless you're lacking nutrients in that soil. That's the only reason they wouldn't grow. So, but tomatoes and the greenhouses are constantly being fed, and so you need yeah. to constantly feed these tomatoes. Yep. I see. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'll do that. And I appreciate your help. Yep. Good luck, Terry. Good morning. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick and Tim Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. It is a busy morning on the phones. We've had a couple people holding for a while through the commercials, so we'll get right to them. Uh, Dave in Saskatoon. Good morning, Dave. What's your question this morning? Uh, good morning. Uh, yes, I have an amaryllis that uh, forgot about Christmas and bloomed uh, in j- late January, early February. Yep. And um, I'd like to get it back into sink uh, for next uh, December. Uh, I have it outside now, uh, so it's getting lots of sun. Yep. Uh, but now it's started to bloom again. Okay, so what you want to do then, just leave it outside, Okay. Okay. And then once let it get some cool nights at the end of August type of thing. Okay, I, I don't want I don't in, even go into September evening outside, but don't, make sure you don't get the frost on them. Okay. Okay. So leave it out there. Get the cool nights. That'll that'll set set the the trigger. Then bring it indoors. Okay, 
And then what you want to do all around the end of September, okay, very first week of October, pull it out of the pot if you have it in a pot. Did you plant it in the ground or is it in a pot outside? No, I, I put it right in the ground. In the ground. Okay, so that's good. You're going you're gonna to replant it. So by replanting it, you're going to, I would suggest when you dig it out of the ground, just keep it as a bulb, like just as you would buy a, an emeraldless bulb, right? By okay. just keeping it in a, in a paper bag and, or something like that so that it doesn't, you know, the moisture content is nice. Keep it a little bit cooler. You could even put it into the fridge, but you can't have any fruit with the fridge, in yeah. the fridge with it, okay? That's the only thing because the ethylene gas is not good for any bulb, okay? And so, and then what you want to do is then replant it about the end, of, about the third week of September, first week of October in that range. And then you should get the cycle back in for Christmas time again. I'll certainly try that because the uh, it's uh, the flowers quite. There's two flowers on it, and they're quite uh, a deep red, which I would let, prefer to see again yep. this uh, so, fall. So when you dig it out, just let it let it lay on a, some paper and just let it dry the bulb dry a bit, you know. Okay. And uh, and then that way, plant it again in like I said, yeah, end of September, first week of October. Yeah, you'll start the cycle back where it's supposed to be. And. Uh, do that. Uh, when should I take it out again? Like uh, you're gonna let, get the cool nights get on the leaves, okay? Because it'll grow leaves in the garden, right? Mm-hmm. So I want I want the basically to the nighttime temperatures get close to zero, but not at zero. Okay. Okay. And so if there is a risk of frost for one night, just throw a blanket over top of it or something like that, and keep it sure. warm. Okay. Okay. Good. Thank you very okay. much. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. All right, we're gonna go to Paul in Saskatoon. Good morning, Paul. What's your question? Well, good morning. Um, my apple, my apple trees are just loaded with apples. Okay. Now the branches are already starting to fold over. Yep. Um, I I I need to start thinning them out. Yep. Thin them out. Do I just cut off that apple, or do I take it right from the stem? Uh, you can just you can just cut you can just cut the stem off and leave the stem on if you want. That doesn't matter. Uh, but you just need to, you can just pull, pull up, carefully pull them off if you want, you know. Uh, either way, it doesn't really matter. Just, but just thinning it out, or otherwise you have to start bracing up those branches because you're going to get a broken branch yep. if you get too many of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, oh, exactly. Now, I also have a quick question about my asparagus bed. I have a dill going crazy in there. Yep. Um, is that like a companion plant, or am I hurting my asparagus, or do I just let it go? Or yeah. dill will become a weed. Yeah, dill. That, dill. The dill will take over. Yeah, that's the only bad. That's the only problem with that is that it'll basically choke out your asparagus after a while. Okay, so, so yeah. I probably dig out as much of that dill as you can. Yeah. Yeah, I'll pick out as much as I can. Yeah, because I, I really don't use it. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Hey, thank you. To the show, Tim. Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day, you guys. You, you too, you. Paul. All right, we're going to jump down to the Watrous area with Karen. Good morning, Karen. What's your question? Ah, good morning. Good morning. I have a question about our, what's damaging or eating. Our, when our peas came came up about an inch high, yep. something started eating them off. And same with the spinach when it was about an inch. And to some degree, the beets as well. We replanted the peas and the spinach, and the same thing is starting over. It's it called, looks like bite marks, yep. or just like a little lawnmower went over the yep. over the spinach. It's, it's called the flea beetle. Yeah, or flea it's birds. Beetle. 
Yeah, it could be birds too, but most likely a flea beetle. They they come in and just like a lawnmower. They come in in batches like, and they just come and wipe them out. Wait, yeah, wipe them out. Yep. yep well, so. is there anything we can do for that? Well, the best thing to do for flea beetles is put a crop cover over top. Like that's that, that white that's a white fabric, okay? Yeah. And you have okay. a little tent over top of them and then that's the best way because there's not much cuz they just come and go so much that it's hard to actually hit them and spray them. Right. Okay. And so, so and also not, things like things like your spinach and all that kind of stuff. You don't want to be putting chemicals on them because you want to be eating them yeah, quick exactly. enough, right? Yeah. So right. the best right. way is just a crop cover, and then you can keep them. Keep the you know even your moss off your cabbage with the crop cover. You can use it even for frost protection in the spring and the fall. You can use it for a whole bunch of things. So bunch of, okay. Yep, okay. And so it comes when, in a roll or yeah, it yeah. comes in packages yeah. or it comes actually you can get some that work really well. It comes like an accordion. And it has little arch uh, arches on them. They call it kosh koshes. They call it. I think right? so. And and it comes with little arches, like little greenhouse arches. And okay. it has the fabric already on it. And you just you just sort of fold it out but, and and you stick the wires into the ground and put some soil on top of the excess fabric on the bottom, and that that keeps the insects out. Okay, so if that's if 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 we get the plants to a certain stage, then do the Flea beetles leave them alone, or yeah. Well, once the flea beetle usually, usually this time of the year is not a big deal because the canola crops are starting to flower now, so they're usually out in the farmers' fields eating the canola oh. crops, right? Oh, okay. But you might be just close enough where they just are just still the liking. They're still liking what you feed them. Yeah, darn. darn. So, yeah, if, you, if you're going to plant a new batch, I would say just cover them up right away. Yeah, just, just cover them up. Yeah, well, as soon as well, you plant, the, as soon as you plant yeah, the seeds, cover up. them up. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Karen. All right. We have Sharon on the line from Saskatoon. Good morning, Sharon. What's your question for Rick and Tim? Uh, good morning. Um, I have a bunch of lilies, and um, I'm, not, I'm at the lake right now, but my daughter was saying that there's a beetle on it. It's not red, but it's kind of a fluorescent blue. Is that still a lily beetle? No, the lily beetles are orange in yeah. color. Yep, absolutely. So, but there's all kinds of beetles that are out there, so, I mean... Uh, the so best... it's probably not eating my lily. I'm going home tomorrow, so I'll check it out. Yeah, check it. He might not be eating it. He might be just hanging around there looking for other insects. Like some beetles eat a lot of ground grubs and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So uh, it could be just something else. But the lily beetles are orange. And okay, the, and they're okay. They're all orange. And you'll see so... the you'll see the egg masses on the bottom side of the leaves will be orange as well. Okay, so if I if I do have lily beetles, yep. do I, do I just use neem or can I use um, oh you got some neem or what? If you got some neem, use some neem. Neem, yeah, use neem. Neem is awesome. You just can't get it anywhere. But <laughs> uh, my daughter actually sprayed them because she didn't know what it was, so yep. she actually sprayed them, which is I'm sure okay. Yeah, yep. either that or you can use some ambush and uh, spray the, about every ten days. You know, with the ambush as well, and then also just make sure you pick those little egg masses off if you see them. Yeah, exactly. Okay. 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 That sounds good. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Sharon. Okay. Bye bye. Bye now. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick and Tim Van Dyke. If you have a question or need some advice, you can give us a call at one 332 8255 We're just kind of looking out at the river here. Beautiful weather for the Canada Day long weekend so yep. far. See some canoes and kayaks out there. So it's, everybody's enjoying yeah. the summer. Making the most of the, yes. the nice weather. <laughs> we have uh, some texts that we can get through here. 
uh, to start off the second hour of the show. Uh, we'll go to John in the Battle Fords. Have moss in flower pots using potting soil and drainage holes are working, uh, getting lots of rain, so haven't watered much. How can I get rid of the moss and keep it from coming back? Using your fingers and just stirring the pot. Okay. <laughs> in the pot. Yeah. So just, just aerating the top surface, that's the best way. Just just using your soil, fingers and just mixing up the soil a bit and just disturbing that, that surface, and that will break it up and make all that moss just dry up. Yeah. Well, and also the grubs. The grubs are in the top layer of the soil. Yeah. Oh, okay. So when you're breaking up the soil, you're disturbing the grubs. Yeah. Okay. So that, that both ways, just, yeah. Easy, uh, easy way. You don't need the chemicals, nothing. Just, just, just a bit of mixing. Just a bit of mixing. Uh, they're also curious, do you think it will affect the flowers that are in the pots? Just, just because of the moisture, that's the only why. And also when you get that moss, it'll make a crust on them. So that's yeah. why you just want to just work, work it up a little bit with your fingers. Keep it stirred up and, um, uh, or use a, use a, whatever. A, a kind of a stick or, or a trowel or, or, or take whatever. a fork, even a yep. fork or whatever, right? Just you, break it up yep. and mix it a little. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, we have a question from Rose in Saskatoon. How do I get a polka dot begonia to bloom? It keeps spreading, but no blooms. Do I have to cut it back? Just yeah, just nip the tips. If you nip the tips, it once keeps spreading like that. Just nip, just just cut off the tips, and that will terminate that where it wants to grow out, and then it should start producing blooms. That, also, making sure you're using some of that. Uh, you know, you were talking about that before. That fifteen thirty fifteen. Yeah. And yeah. just, you know, uh, promoting just more phosphorus to promote the growth. Yeah. Or any type of fertilizer that has a higher middle number. Yep. Okay. Um, we have a question from Carol in Saudi. Uh, is Roundup good to kill weeds? I don't want to kill my neighbor's garden. Well, it kills weeds, but you have to watch out for drift, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So you'll have so, to get a piece of cardboard or some sort of barrier. Okay. Yeah. And stop the drift from going on yeah. to their what vegetable I, garden. And what I tell with you, using Roundup, you don't need to go and, unless you need to kill your whole lawn because you're replacing the whole lawn, just go up there because you, you can get Roundup in just a little spritzer bottle. Yep. And just don't be spraying from up high. Spray right down low and just spray the weed you need to hit. Okay. So and you then, can get really close to it. Just using where you need to use it, don't use it as a a broadcast spray because you're gonna, like I said with Roundup, you can anything you anything you hit with it, you'll kill. Okay. Okay. So just make sure that um, yeah, just go down close and uh, and it interacts with the chlorophyll and the leaves. Yep. Okay. So anything green it kill it touches it'll yep. kill. It'll kill. Okay. So you want to be careful and go for a direct hit. Direct hit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's that's with anything any kind of chemical you use just to be a direct hit. You don't have to use widespread all over the whole yard. Just do a, a specific spot spring, what I call a spot spring, and then you can be more responsible in the way you use it because it works really well. Just being careful with it, that's the big thing. All yep. right. Um, another text is, uh, my irises are done blooming and are now covering a lot of other things in the flower bed. Can I trim them back without damaging them? Yeah, just... You, only thing to do once the flower heads are done, you can trim back the flower, the old flower heads, but just leave the leaves because you want that energy to go back down into the bulb. Okay. Okay. And irises do get bigger and bigger as a clump. So what you can do is that later on in the in the fall or early spring, you can actually dig those dig those other pieces up. So just control it so it's not spreading into your other plants, and then give some to your neighbors and to your yep. friends and family and. Easy gifts. Easy, Easy gifts. gifts, exactly. <laughs> uh, we have Vic waiting on the line here in Gravelburg. Good morning, Vic. What's your question for Rick and Tim? Morning, guys. Uh, good show again. 
I, I think I've got a la- uh, my lance a lot like Rick's. It's uh, sandy on the top and, yep. and a hard pan. Uh, we used uh, to put post holes in a uh, three-point hitch tractor, lift the back wheels up when it gets to that hard pan, and <laughs> yep. once you get through it, it, you can hardly keep it out. Yep. So Rick said to turn it. So the boys, the grandkids, uh, they weren't going to turn it with a shovel. They put a 35-foot cultivator in the air <laughs> uh, with the wings up, and they turned her. <laughs> but uh, this the first time in the yard we, uh, it would stick to your shoes. It's a real gumbo uh, clay. Yep. yep. And I said, uh-oh, what do we do? But we hauled a lot of wild-rotted manure, yep. uh, like 20-year-old stuff, yep. and uh, it, it proved. But last year, it, it was so hot and dry. This year, uh, we were getting some uh, better results from our corn and potatoes and stuff like that. But hardly none of them blossomed last year, the potatoes or the tomatoes. There wasn't a blossom, and we didn't get any uh, the, uh, food off of the hardly uh, at all, and that's not typical of the sand. Yep. Uh, we usually get real good uh, product from our tomatoes. But our, our, another comment, too, in, in town, they said there's a spray you can put on your tomatoes that you don't have to fertilize. Like, to get yeah, it's called, it's called Fruit Set, but it's not available anymore. It's been kind of taken off the market, and I'm not even sure why. I haven't looked into it, but it's called f- Tomato Fruit Set. Fruit Set. So, yeah, so that's not available anymore. So all you have to do is you have to be the bee, basically, and go <laughs> from flower to flower now with your little Q-tip if you want to be the... You're the fruit setter. <laughs> what about the potatoes, uh, Tim and Rick? Uh, the potatoes, you said there was a special fertilizer that... Yep. Uh, it, it has it, it has it has, doesn't have very much a, a ton of nitrogen, but it does have more phosphorus and it has some sulfur in it as well, and so that that's a big one for potatoes as well. Yeah. But it also has potassium, and potatoes like potassium as well. Our, our canola fertilizer's got all that in it, so uh, well, perfect. Yeah, yeah, definitely use your canola fertilizer. Yep, just make sure it's not a really really high nitrogen in your canola fertilizer. That's all. Okay. Right on, uh, and uh, your audio, your listeners, don't put. Uh, Hollyhocks in. I put a row of hollyhocks, <laughs> <laughs> and that's as bad as any uh, blackgrass. Yeah, it grew, spreads on you. Oh yeah, oh, they, they're so prolific. It's hard yep. to get rid of after about three years. I tell you. Well, I'm glad you got rid of that hard pan, and that now you're having better results, though. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, does a marigold a deter uh, moths too, or bees? Uh, no, nope. well, and marigolds will attract bees, but will detract oh. a lot of other insects. Okay. And also, it'll, also rabbits don't like the marigolds either. No. Nope. Ah, good idea. And I like the idea of the clover, too, to attract the bees. I'm oh, clover's that. great one to attract bees. Uh, our, our kids really enjoy your uh, greenhouse in the Regina, Tim. Oh, thank you very much. Good, good luck with that. And, uh, nice talking to you, you guys. Okay, thank you. Have a good day, Vic. Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, We have a quick question on the text line, and then we'll go to break. Uh, This is from Teresa in Regina. I have potted strawberries. They have lots of blooms, and I see strawberries forming. Looks like they'll be good fruit. Can I winter this plant? As long as you bury that pot. If the pot is above ground, then it'll freeze solid. It'll freeze solid. Okay. So you have to dig the plants up, you know, and bring them inside for the wintertime, or otherwise you have to take that whole pot if you can. And if it's a nice pot, then you can put paper on it, not plastic, because plastic will keep the heat sink yep. from coming into it. Yep. Put paper to protect the pot and just bury the whole pot and all okay. into the ground. Yeah, and then you probably want to mound a little bit of soil on top, yeah, too. Or mulch or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just exactly. give it a little extra warmth. Extra warmth, because yep. if they just leave in the pot, they won't make it. Nope. 
morning. You're listening to Garden Talk. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Tim Van Dyvendyke. We have a couple people who have been waiting to talk to you guys through the break, so we'll go right to Bob in Regina. Good morning, Bob. What's your question this morning? Yes, good morning. Uh, questions on bean seeds, especially green bean seeds not sprouting. We've soaked them. We've not soaked them. And then when you go to look for them in the ground, they're not even there. Any thoughts? And they're not even there. So not even any remnants of them at all? That's correct. So I wonder if you've got voles or something like that yeah. that's going in. You know, notice any, any vole holes, like holes in the ground from little tiny mice? Do, do not notice them when we've okay. got them in raised bean plants yeah. or raised uh, okay. Shouldn't have raised a, boxes. Yep. I mean, well, you can get the voles up in there too, but I mean, otherwise, I'm just wondering if you're not finding any remnants at all, so not any, mm-hmm. not any ones that are just rotting, but none at all. So that's that's what's curious that you might have something, and then it's robbing, that's, robbing, that's stealing those, stealing seeds. the seeds. Now you've done yep. uh, you've done a germination test, and you're getting viability that way, are you? Um, like, we you, have not done a germinate test. So you, have you ever tried to uh, take some of those seeds and put them in some paper towel and see if you can get them germinate in some moist paper towel? Yeah. And see whether oh, you got some... try that, yes. Try some, um, whether you got some viable seeds, first of all, you know? And, well, I've, I think my wife has bought about three different varieties this year. And they, and they all did the same thing? Virtually, yes. And especially the green, the yellow sprout, but the green don't... And in there's sort of side by side hmm. also yeah they they sh- they should be they should be sprouting with this there again i just just if you still have some seed left do a little germination test like we used to do back in grade five mm-hmm. i guess yeah right <laughs> right exactly <laughs> and so and just do a little germination test and see if they're viable seeds and if they are then then there must be something going on out in your soil that that the reason why they're not not uh, germinating you know but they're right. either some some kind of insect or otherwise a, a rodent that's that's finding those little seeds you're, you know, how the binoculars on the sidelines saying, yeah, he's planting now, let's go and eat, have supper. And, uh, but otherwise... The soil that you have in your raised planter, is it is it lots of organic material inside the soil, or is it fairly plain? Is it fairly... Well, we've added uh, leaves in the fall and yep. then mix those in. Would yep. that be too high in some chemical? Well, it's probably too dry. So I would say just well, get some uh, peat moss or some other organic material, compost, and, okay. and work in some compost in your soil. Because if it's if it's that dry, uh, you probably have kind of lack of uh, moisture problems. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. or 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 mix some instead of peat moss, which lasts longer. So use some core or cocoa fiber. Yeah, right, and yeah. that will actually yeah. hold the moisture there a bit better. And then also got to watch it, making sure that you know like the. Um, uh, any of the legumes, they 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 help, help fix the nitrogen, right? So they, so what a lot of times they'll do with those legumes is that you'll put in a um, uh, little mycorrhizome in the soil with them to help fix the nitrogen even better for them that yeah. they can they can establish. But you're the problem with you, that's usually a problem with the plants not producing the fruit, but you're not even getting them to germinate. That's the problem, right? That's correct. And mm-hmm. so that's just weird that that this green it's just the green beans not the yellow beans and that's what's so interesting and it just it almost seems like something might be just liking them better and stealing them because you're not finding them when you go dig them up to see yeah. where the seeds are happening. Yeah, exactly. Correct. Put a little yeah. put a little uh, popsicle stick or something in when you plant the seeds in so that you can go back to the exact same spot to make sure that see what seeing what's happening when you when they're, if they're not germinating you can actually go and 
find exactly where that seed is. And Sounds just, good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll try that again. Yeah. Do, um, do the germination test first. That's what I would do. Do the germination. Yep. <laughs> Maybe we're getting bad seed, eh? Yep. Uh, it could okay. be. Yep. All right. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Thank good you. Good luck, Bob. Okay. Thank you. Bye. I know. Uh, we have Dawn in Saskatoon. Good morning, Dawn. What's your question this morning? Good morning. I have two questions. The first quick one is uh, my petunia plant that I bought, bought several different colors. And this one in particular was purple with little streaks of white. Mm-hmm. And now the plant has no purple and it's all white. The flowers. The flowers. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there again, that would that would be uh, on that on that seed source that it came from, because a lot of yeah. times the re- the plants will sometimes revert back to what their parentage is, right? And so that's what this one's doing; it's reverting back to its parentage. So that means oh. that it wasn't when they pollinated them, they didn't have the proper pollinization when they, when they had that seed when they started that seed, and then of course the greenhouses use that seed to grow plants, right? And oh. then they're not, it's just reverting back. I even get some spireas in that'll, that'd be gold ones. And all of a sudden you get green leaves growing in amongst it. Yep. And it's just reverting back to its parentage, its genetics, you know. Um, okay, so, that's interesting. So and now one last what, question on those garden sheets. Yep. To prevent uh, birds from eating your beets and your spinach and stuff. Yep, yep, yep. When can we take that off? Uh, usually How you can, should the plants be? Uh, usually you can wait until, well, usually about this time of the year or another week or so yet. Just, yeah. And then you can take it off because then most times the plant's big enough and the insects have moved on that yeah. you, you can just take it off then. But usually about from about spring to about, you know, around July the 1st, July the 15th, then you can take it off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It seems like it worked. We peeked under there and they look healthy as can be. Yep. Perfect. Because this is kind of a late year, you probably want to keep it on until or July 15th if you can. Yep. Okay, real good. Okay. All right, thank you guys. Okay. Thanks, Don. All right, we have a couple of texts before we go to our break for news here. One little thing I was going yeah. to mention that when you take it off, try to take it off on a more cloudy day. Oh, okay. okay. Because otherwise, if it's a really hot day, you've shaded those plants a bit with that cloth a yeah. bit too. So if you take it off, it's just they're going to get all of a sudden some of the leaves are turning white. It's like sunburn. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So just pick a cloudier day where you're going to take it off. But a culture shock yep. if it's too sunny. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right. If you have a question or would like some advice, you can give <clears> us a call or text at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. This question is from Heather in Saskatoon. I have Swedish aspen and tower poplar. They're starting to die. Sawdust at the bottom of the tree and poplar bore. Uh, how do I treat it? There's only one way you can try to treat it uh, is by you get what's called a Dr. Doom. It's a super concentrate. It comes in a brown can. Okay. And it has a little red tube on it, just like a WD can, a WD-40. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you can find the holes and spray it into the holes. And you'll need to do that about every seven days. Spray it into the holes. And then maybe you're lucky. You might be able to get them. But uh, if they're... If they've done too much damage and the, the top is really dying, uh, then it's too late. Okay. Uh, if you just started just starting to see the sawdust and the top's not dead yet, you have a chance of getting them. But yeah, if half of the top is dead already, then cut the tree down and get rid of the wood out of the yard. Do not leave it in the yard because then um, uh, what happens in the fall is they those those they come out of this out of the out of the bark and then they go into the ground for the winter time. Okay. And then they come up as a beetle again and then lay their eggs. If your soil is really moist, uh, then you can go with a birch 
There's a, a parkland pillar birch. Yep. And that'll be a good alternative. Good alternative. Okay. Um, we have a question from Mike in Saskatoon. Uh, had two tree stumps ground two years ago, resotted over the spots. Now mushrooms, mushrooms. are growing. Yep. Will these eventually stop? Yeah, when when the when the when the root old roots and compost because when they grind they leave a lot of sawdust mm-hmm. in the yep. ground too, right? Exactly. So when they eat that down, so what you can do with that is two couple things, three things you can do. One's aerate. Okay. One add moisture, but add some fertilizer, but also add some compost accelerator. Okay. Because okay? you're just like in the composting bin. Yeah. If you add some compost accelerator, you're adding, adding those microorganisms that'll break it down. If you don't mind the mushrooms, just leave the mushrooms there. Mm-hmm. Because actually the mushrooms are eating at the compost, yeah. and once okay. the comp once they eat all that compost gone, it, they're they're done. But yeah. you just have to put up with looking at mushrooms, and and it's not it's not a, a arch; it's more of a cluster here cluster, and there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's, and, in my opinion, that's great because yeah. you know that's it's decomposing the, the yeah. roots. Down it's doing below. what it's supposed it's to do. What it's yeah. supposed to do. So yeah, it'll go quicker if you leave it there. But otherwise, just put the compost accelerator along where the roots are and where they had that problem with the grinded. That'll make it go away a lot quicker. You probably want a a, a, a pry bar or a, yep. a post handle or a broom handle. Okay. And just poke a whole bunch of holes in that area and then put your compost accelerator, accelerator. in those holes. Yep. Just get to that root system a little bit faster. Yeah. A little bit more, more nitrogen as well, and um, that'll help break it down way quicker. Yep. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick and Tim Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. Lots to talk about today. The text line has a lot of questions, but you can uh, still get in your questions. You can give us a call at one 877 3328255 This question is from Gina. I have a hydrangea shrub. The leaves are curling and I'm finding tiny black bugs especially on the new growth. I've removed lots of damaged leaves and sprayed the shrub with insecticidal soap nearly every day. Is there anything else I can do? Yeah, just they're black, they'll be aphids, right? Okay. So just a matter of uh keeping it get it even some of the garden centers now are selling ladybugs, you know, so ladybugs yeah. or prey mantis, mm-hmm. that works good too. Yep. Uh, but you have to go one or the other. You can't go and be putting the beneficial insects and then spraying on top of that, right? Right. So um, you have to decide. So if you're, want, a good way of doing it is, uh, yeah, just also what I did in my yard, and I never had that many aphids, it was a good balance, is I had little wren houses all over the place and I had water. So that they would have water and so attract the birds. Okay. And these little chickadees and little wrens were just going from branch to branch. You see them jumping around in yep. the shrubs, branch to branch <laughs> to branch, and they're just eating all day long. Yeah. And it kept the balance in, and I never had to spray at all in that that acreage I had there. So it's uh, so that's a good way to be, you know, that way. But otherwise, yeah, you'll need to keep up. But one thing about the when the leaves leaves curl up. Mm-hmm. is that the aphids are protected, so you can't really spray oh, to yeah. get at them, you know? And that's why the beneficial insects in that case, because they can go where they are, Yes. right? So uh, so you have to get underneath the leaves and spray if you're going to use insecticidal soap, and so that you can actually get underneath it, because you have to coat the bug, because what soap does is aphids breathe through their skin, and when it coats them, it plugs up all the air pores, so they basically suffocate. Okay. Okay, so you just have to be able to get where the bugs are. When you spray, and my other advice is, is wake up early in the morning with a cup of coffee and just go around and just remove the little portions where the aphids are yep. are reacting with the shrub. Okay, um, and that's a great way to keep the uh, bug population down in your yard. 
get little black or green fingers, you know, by squishing all the yeah. bugs. That's yeah, all right. Oh, well. <laughs> People love that. You can wash your hands. <laughs> um, this one is coming from Mary. Does the aspen borer uh, that you mentioned earlier attack willow tree? Yes. Our willow has the same symptoms. Yep. And is there any remedy to save the tree? Uh, any control for potato beetles? As well, the uh, powder king bug killer doesn't seem to be effective. Yeah, no, it's okay with the uh, with the there's a willow borer. It's a different 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 variety of insect of borer. Okay, but there's a poplar borer and there's a willow borer. Especially if you got blue fox willows, the little shrub oh, one yeah. there, where they they get them the worst. Yeah, they seem to really like the, the the bark in those ones, but they can't get into any willows. So there again, using the Doctor Doom if you can get them early and spray them in, or otherwise with willows. Uh, sometimes you have multiple stem willows. What you can do is you can trim that willow branch down because they'll come back again. Yeah. They'll suck yep. her back up again. And then, but you need to get them out of the yard. You need to destroy them. Okay, you can't just put them in the compost bin because then they're going to go. They're exactly. going to come out and go after the yeah. other willows again. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, if you see the holes, spraying that Doctor Doom if you get them early enough if it hasn't killed the top part of the tree already. Uh, and then the the potato beetles. That's a tough one. Just uh, because there's nothing you can spray because the flowers, you don't want to kill the bees from the flowering, you know, when the potatoes are flowering. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the biggest thing that our callers have told us is slice of onion in when you plant the potato. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And then you keep them away that way. But otherwise, yeah, even using the dusts and those kind of things, you're, um, it's pretty tough. You need that, get out there with a pail. And put your pair of good little gloves on, and you go out there and start picking. Picking. Yep. And um, sure. put them in a jar. <laughs> pick them all off. You got to do the dirty work gotta sometimes. Got to do the dirty work. <laughs> That's the problem with gardening. Yep. <laughs> it's not a clean process, it's but it is clean. rewarding. <laughs> but hey, get out there and just enjoy the sun and put yeah. some sunscreen on and protect yep. yourself and get out there and just be in the garden. Do it first thing in the morning. Yep. There you go, before it's too hot. Yep. <laughs> uh, we have Carrie waiting on the line for us in Saskatoon. Good morning, Carrie. What's your question for Rick and Tim? When is the best time to take a clump from somebody's rhubarb to replant it into your own yard? Best time is when they're dormant. So either in the fall or I like doing it best is in the middle of April. Right when before they start budding up. and uh, But then that's you, the, the, I have best successes in the spring. Okay, but, but, and how deep do you put it? Oh, just, you know, the crown is sticking above the soil, you know, where you're pushing it off. That crown has to be at the same level again, so you don't want to bury them deep. The crown has to be just, the crown, when you take it off, because you have to have some eyes with it, obviously, you have to have that little brown crown, that little, it's, yeah, it's basically like, like little leaves coming out yep, of it almost. exactly. And then it, that has to be sticking just above the ground. So. And do you need, like, a big clump for it to spread, and how much nope. does it spread? It's... No, it, the clump just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So you don't need that big. Like I've taken, I've taken a, a, a rhubarb, and you could either trim it to four. I've trimmed it into like twenty sometimes. So it, uh, you just want a good viable eye on the top. That's what you want. Okay. Yep. And a little bit of hairs on on the roots, and yep. that's it. Okay. And then, is it true that you the first uh, when you transplanted that first year you don't. Yep. Eat the rhubarb? Yeah, the best thing not to just leave the... Because you want it just to... leave it until you, the next year. Yeah, because those, those leaves are basically creating a bigger root system, okay? You can always thin it out a little bit, take a few out, but they're going to be fairly small the first year anyways. They're not going to be that big. And they'll be way better tasting the second year. 
okay, so then I'll have to wait a good two years to have a good pie. Yep, we'll wait till the second year. <laughs> so do it do it next, move it, uh, yeah, dig it up next spring or otherwise late fall. If you can do it in the fall, like in September, October, uh-huh. then just mul- mulch <laughs> that plant for the first year, first winter, but then take it off, take that mulch off in, in, in April again, okay? Yep, early April. Take it off again. As soon as the snow disappears, take that mulch off. Okay, and then when you dig your hole to put it in, then yep. you give it like a whole whack of water, or just make sure that just, the soil's moist. They don't. They don't. They like it dry. Okay, so just enough moisture, just get them established, but not wet at all. Okay. So. Okay, because I've never grown rhubarb before. Yep. Simp- simplest plant you could ever put in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically, and plant, just, plant it, forget it. Yeah. Plant it, forget it, yep. and then do you like for the first. See, like if I do it in the in the uh, spring, yep. and then I just keep it like water it every once in a while to give it some water. Just just every once in a while, you might water. It. Stick your finger into the soil right next to where you have the plant. If you feel any moisture at all, don't water it. If it feels totally dry, water it. Okay? So you basically don't need a green thumb for rhubarb. No, nope. set you it know. and forget in fact, it. You're, when you stick your finger in every week, you have a little bit of a brown thumb. You know, but from, okay. <laughs> the, you stick your finger in the dirt every week, you'll have a brown thumb. But you'll you'll be green once you start getting the leaves up and you have success. <laughs> oh, lovely. Okay. Okay, thanks for the help. You're welcome. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, we have a couple of texts we'll get to here before we go to a quick break. This one coming from Kathy. Can corn gluten be used to control weeds in a raspberry patch or will it stop new growth? Nope. Perfect. You can use it in a raspberry patch. The only place you cannot use corn gluten is when you in have, the garden. Yeah, because it'll have stop. Seeds. And it'll stop oh, okay. next year. It'll stop your from when you put your corn seed in your beans and your mm-hmm. peas. It'll stop them from germinating too. But you use it in the lawn. You could use it in the flower bed, shrub bed, rose bed, um, in the raspberry patch because it's not reseeding itself. It's growing by yeah. root rhizomes, which is the roots grow up. It only stops seeds from germinating. Okay. Otherwise, it acts as a fertilizer. And, but you have one thing is important, though, people don't realize. They buy this bag of corn gluten, or another re, re, name for it is bio-weed and feed, okay? That's okay. the name you'll see mostly on. And then they'll see that bag, and they say, okay, I want to you know, do my whole yard with it. Yeah. And it doesn't work. It'll just be a fertilizer for your weeds, okay? Weed seeds and that. So it doesn't kill the mature seeds. It only stops the seeds from germinating. So you have to go either the way the amount it says on the on the instructions. Mm-hmm. So if it says it'll do a thousand square feet for that bag, don't do twelve hundred square feet. It won't yes. work. So do a thousand square feet or less because you okay. can't put too much. Yeah. Okay. That's one thing about it. You, say you can put it heavier and it won't hurt the plants. It'll actually be good for the plants and it'll make sure that those seeds. The dandelions that come from your neighbor's yard, they won't germinate in your, your yard where you use the corn gluten. But if you have corn gluten left over, you got to make sure you put it inside a plastic container. Yep. Okay. Because the, the mice or the voles or whatever yep. will get into that bag. They'll and like just it. Just chew it up. <laughs> it up. It's a gone. treat for them. It's a treat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's Absolutely. Morning. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick and Tim Van Dyvendyke. Lots covered so far in the show, and we have a couple more questions to get through. Uh, we'll start off with Doug in Punishai. Good morning, Doug. What's your question for Rick and Tim? Hey. Yeah, good morning. Enjoying your show. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I bought some goji berry trees yep. about three years ago and got them started. They both did real well the first year. And that winter, the one plant froze out or died off. I yep. don't know what happened to it. Yep. So I bought another one, 
and transplanted it last year. It did well. It died again this uh, this spring. It was dead. Yeah, yeah. The, one thing about goji berries, they're basically a zone four plant. Okay. Okay. So you have to have them in a sheltered area. So if you have oh. them places where they're not in very good shelter, then they won't make the winter time. So a good okay. shelter means they have a good layer of snow over top of them. Yeah. So yeah, these get covered right in with snow. They're pretty well covered right up with snow. Is that right? But, yeah, mm-hmm. I got. Uh, um, different trees around and raspberry plants and stuff like that, so it fills right in with snow. Okay, that that's a good thing because the snow, especially if. But you got to remember, the snow has to come right at the beginning of the winter time too, right? Right. So, okay. Yeah. Right, because if you get a, so what you need to do with those things, you need to mulch them heavy every fall. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. And then because sometimes we don't get snow until almost December, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. if it, so, then that's where they get damaged. Is then, or they might get damaged at the end when the snow is starting to disappear. Okay. Okay. Uh, so Sweet. it's not when they're covered up with snow, they're protected. But I mean, yeah, it's November, December is what you got to worry about. So mulch so them really that- heavy. Even the one that's uh, like the one that's still grown is about oh it must be seven feet high, okay. And it's really bushy, so I guess I need to prune that one. But then I it won't produce any berries until I get another plant. Until right? I get another plant, so yeah. So just make sure you you know put some snow fence up in there and that stuff. But if if you do, I would suggest mulching them every every winter. Yeah. And uh, that way, if they do die down, they'll only die down to where the mulch is, and they'll regrow again from there. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. So okay. mulching, you mean like put them up. With straw or something around yep, up exactly like, now watch the higher, watch the straw though because you said you're on a farm right yep. yeah the straw will atta- attract mice and they'll eat all the bark off the tree right okay so, so you need what a, else do you mulch it with then? uh just just a, a bark mulch or something like that or if you what you should do do too if you have a main trunk on them um but sometimes they're multiple stems but if it's single stem you want to put a trunk guard on them as well okay some kind of a tree wrap oh, yeah. to protect the trunk or otherwise, just make sure when you mulch them up, right against the right against the um, the trunk of the tree, you just put a bait station there so that you keep the mice away. Okay. Yeah, right the mice, that. the voles. The mice and the well, voles. The one that's growing there now, it's it's just a massive amount of shoots coming out of there. So that one's probably pruned it. It's probably if it's that seven feet tall, it's adjusted. Then it's probably going to be okay. Okay, unless yeah. we get unless you still get a winter where you know you get to Christmas time and it's minus thirty, you know. That sort of might have some trouble, but if it's seven feet tall, that one's probably acclimatized itself. Uh, right. Also, okay. just make sure you check the pH. You want your pH definitely around six point five for goji berries, okay? Okay. And that'll help make them hardier as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you have a high pH, it'll definitely take the hardiness away. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. Good. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks, Doug. Yeah. Bye. Bye now. All right, we have a couple of texts that we can get to here. This one is coming from Donna in Saskatoon. We've had a wayfaring tree growing in our backyard along the east fence for the past 25 years. Still fairly small and a branch or two dead every year. Maybe as our neighbors have a poplar and large pine tree backing toward it. This spring, there's no new growth. Wondering if we should just dig it out, if there's a chance that we can keep it alive by moving it. Yeah, if there's no new growth now, it's not going to make it. Now, okay. one thing about weight-wearing trees is they don't like a really wet spot either. I'm not sure if that's a wet spot or not. It's hard to, you know, don't know by asking from a text. But mm-hmm. uh, weight-wearing trees like to be on a bit on the drier side. Okay. And they'll do a lot better than a wet spot. Um, it's part of the viburnum family, even though it's related to the cranberry, which can be more moisture. Yeah. The weight-wearing tree likes it a bit more drier than it does wet. 
Okay. So just watch for that. But other than that, wavering trees are fairly hardy, and they're a nice tree. Big leaves with a rough, it's almost like a rough leaf you feel okay. on it. So they're kind of a cool, uh, taller shrub and um, not used as much as, as I think they should be used, uh, but nice, nice plant. The leaves are a definite indicator that they're more drought tolerant. Yep. Okay. Because they're kind of a very thick and yep. uh, hairy type of leaf, mm-hmm. which means they can tolerate drier locations. Yeah, locations. Okay. Where which is then, definitely good over our last couple of summers here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you have a nanny berry, which is very smooth, uh, it prefers more wet soils. Okay. So even sometimes if you're not sure, you can kind of yeah. do the check of the leaf yeah. and see what you need. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, this one kind of goes off of uh, one of our callers, Bob, earlier in the show. Um, beans not coming up could be robins. Uh, they found that uh, covering the area with fabric worked for them. Yeah. 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 There's things. I love that when they call I like in. when they when they hear something so, and think, oh, yeah, I dealt with that a couple of years yeah. ago. And, and <laughs> robins or even sparrows. Yeah. Sparrows are bad for that, too. You know, when, he, when he said that they, when he dug them up, he couldn't find yeah. the beans. And that's what made me trigger. There has to be something else. And so, yeah, yeah they're they're again. Perfect. Thank you for that. For that text. <laughs> I mean, it could be a robin. They're being robbed. Robbed by, by the, the robin. robin. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gail in Saskatoon says my Winnipeg Park roses have some tiny white buds this year. I don't see any insects. But what could it be? Tiny white buds. Yeah. Or bugs, you think? Uh, it might be bugs. I it might have been autocorrected. Yeah. Most likely, if it's Winnipeg Parks, it's going to be either two things. If it's white, it could be white fly. Yeah. Okay. And white fly are brutal. They're hard to get rid of. So mm-hmm. use ambush on them. Um, now, it's called Bug X now. They've changed the name. It's not called ambush anymore. It's called Bug X. Okay. Not sure why they changed it. But uh, anyway, so use ambush about every 10 to 14 days. Uh, if it's. It, if it's whitish, I mean, it could be a type of, uh, there's so many different colors of aphids as well. Mm-hmm. And then you, with aphids, you can just use an insecticidal soap. Okay. And that works really good for yep. that. That would be perfect. Yep. Or a thing called Endol. Endol yep. use canola oil too, which is grown in Saskatchewan, yeah. right? They use canola oil in as well. And there again, the canola oil coats the bug so it can't breathe. Okay. So, okay. You have, you have two types of Endol. You have Endol 2, which has the canola oil in yep. it. All right. So a couple of different options. Um, This one is, why are so many elm trees looking poorly this year? Leaves are sparse and the canopy is thin. Uh, It's been happening to my fairly young elms and they've been very well treated and I've never and have never experienced drought. Yeah. No, they probably people. The only thing I remember is that uh, when you don't experience drought means that if you're watering your grass, Mm -hmm. the trees will still experience drought. Okay. Okay, so you got to water the trees. And usually you got a tree like an elm tree, you almost have to use a root feeder because elms are very tough. But mm-hmm. the only thing that's been killing them the last couple of years, and you're seeing it, even we look across the river. Yeah, even the river, on the riverfront here. the riverfront here, we look, the canopies look weak, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's because of last year, the last two years, we've gone through the drought. Yeah. And there's still parts in Saskatchewan, they're still in the drought, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, you have to, watering means you put at the drip line of the tree, you put the hose out there and you just let it dribble and, the and drip, you walk away. And drip line means the outer reaches of the branches. Branches, mm-hmm. not right at the trunk. And so a drip line of the tree, or you get what's called a Ross root feeder. Okay. You can stick it into the, hook it under the hose, just has a spike, you stick it into the ground and it waters it so that, and just let it, Move that around three or four or five places around the tree and let it sit there for half an hour, an hour. Just right. let it soak. And that yeah. brings us to the end of the show for the week. It went by quickly. <laughs> oh, it did. <laughs> That's gone. Quick. Already, just we're back to our long weekend. Thank you so much for all your calls and texts today. You've been listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.